Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hi. Hello. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Hey there. Come on in. Uh, I'm in. The water's fine. Hmm. This is Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. (laughs) And... (laughs) We've got the Hollywood goo. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I can't wait to hear some. As Conan likes to say, what's the buzz? It's literally the buzz goo. out there on the streets? It is goo. Goo you scraped off on a Hollywood sidewalk. It <laughs> may not be it's the what you're looking for. Underneath for. an executive's desk. Uh, yeah. We're your hosts. I'm Jesse Gaskell, and that is Mike Sweeney. That thing over there is Mike Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> speaking of goo, he's human goo that has the gift of speech. Yes. Uh, somewhat sentient. <laughs> That's debatable. But we're, um, we discussed uh, the behind the scenes. He said he was going to do abs today, but right. he has yet to do them. Yeah, but, but who wants that kind of access? I no, mean, that's that's there's such a thing as too much access. He's begged us to watch him brush his teeth, and we always we just say no, we're not doing it. No, that's season four. Uh, you did a gig with another host. I did. I just um, finished a, gig, a five week job with uh, David Letterman. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, yes, no, he's hosting a new show on Netflix. It's a stand up show called That's My Time with David Letterman. He does some time up top, and then he has a comedian on uh, who does like five minutes, and then they uh, Dave interviews the comedian. So, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a new show. Yeah, and it's recorded in front of a live audience, I'm assuming. Yes, we recorded it at the historic Fonda Theater here in Oh, I love Hollywood. that theater. Oh, yeah, it's a great theater. I'd never worked with him before, uh, and so that was quite exciting for me. And there was just one other writer, Mike Gibbons, very, very funny comedy writer here in L.A. And, and so, you guys wrote all of Letterman's set, Right, basically. and, Dave, and wow. Dave, of course, yeah, yeah. wrote. And uh, he was incredible. He was amazing. And, you know, you'd write one-liners for him, and then he would just kind of put them into his own vernacular. Like, he would yeah. just take a one-sentence premise and on stage in front of the audience, tease it out and build it up and then just nail the punchline. Land the plane. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. Just joke after joke. And it was... In- oh, that must have been so much fun to watch. It was incredible to watch. It was incredible to watch. And then sometimes he just started doing jokes that we sent that he had never even said he liked. He just what? did out of memory. Oh, he just remembered? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, he was unbelievable. And he's hilarious. He was hilarious just to hang out 
like while we were going over the monologues. Yeah, anything, was that your first time meeting him? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and anything anyone said around him, he would just grab out of the air and have a funny reply to and just yeah, incredible to watch. Did you have to learn what his sort of, what he liked to riff on the way, I mean, you know, with Conan, we'd write a lot of like, right. Conan's a virgin, women <laughs> hate him, <laughs> right. he's pale. So you had to come up with kind of new, right. what were Letterman's little... Well, we were writing jokes, quirks. you know, well, he's got a beard. So, you know, little openers about, you know, addressing his appearance. And and uh, then and then he kind of trimmed his beard like a few weeks out. And then I thought, oh, no, we're writing too many beard jokes. And he's... <laughs> I, I thought that was a brushback. He's sabotaging pitch. them. Yeah. I thought he was communicating by... Uh, you know what? I'm gonna try, I'm gonna keep these guys yeah. on edge by trimming my beard. So, but we we didn't really get to meet till a f- just day before we taped started taping. We taped over two shows, so it was. Oh yeah. I mean, you know what it's like. It, it all becomes a last minute scramble of once you're together in person of picking an order for the jokes, deciding what's in and out, and which show to slot it into. There were six episodes, so. Oh, wow. But that was so fun. So you filmed all six over the weekend. Right, yes. Oh, wow. But that was exciting. Yeah, that's a big job. Yeah, it was exciting. It was really great. And it was great to work with him and his two producers, Mary Barclay and Tom Kenny, were great. So it was really fun. That's so cool. Yeah, no, and Conan was really, he said, oh, you know what? He goes, if you get a chance to work with Dave, you've got to, you've got to do that. And I, I, yes, and it really was like an indelible experience. It really was great. Yeah, so Conan wasn't jealous. That's that's good. No, he played it totally cool. Wow. Yeah, and believe me, I... He wasn't texting you during, coming up with things for you to do. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, but you know, there were times where Dave was like, should we do this joke or that joke? And I said, Dave, right now I'm working on my podcast with Jesse. Mm, Please, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what fan question we should answer next week. Just back off. Hey, now, it sounds like you weren't doing that. <laughs> you know, you're right. <laughs> so what's been going on with you? Oh, my God. What's well, going on? Yeah. I mean, things have been similarly busy for me. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm looking for work. I'll put that out there. Yeah. I'm trying to get staffed on a, on a narrative comedy. Oh. That's what I'm looking to do. So well, I've be been taking... Great at that meetings that are called generals they're called generals they're called generals yes uh, like just industry. to get to know you and break the ice yeah it's like get getting to know executives your personality and it's funny because i mean these meetings have been going on so all the the main networks like the the primetime networks right. are all doing they were sort of figuring out their lineup in the last couple of weeks right and then they have upfronts this week yes where they announce what actually is is going to be on their lineup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been taking these meetings and sometimes you'll spend an hour talking to an executive about a show, a certain show. Mm-hmm. And like I watched the whole show and got caught up and then had pitches for it. And then you find out this week that that show's canceled. <laughs> oh, no. So there's there's no job at all. Hey, wait, would this be after you, you did this meeting? Yes, right after yes. it? Yeah, yeah, like... Immediately after, pretty much. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. And and you've got to wonder whether certainly that executive doesn't know it's being canceled. Why would they waste their time? Oh, yeah. No, they yeah, don't yeah, know. Yeah, and they yeah, don't want yeah. it to get canceled. But yeah. people above them. Although I've heard stories of executives 
knowing something was canceled, but to other people right up till the last second, they're just like, oh yeah, no, we love it. We love it. We love it. So yeah, I think that there might've been a little bit of that because Right. Especially the later it got in the mm. process, I felt like there, a little bit of the light was going out of their eyes when it would come up, hmm. but they have to still kind of go through the motions, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, I have, I, wow. I think I have multiple offers on canceled shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, our guest today, I have to say, is a singular performer. I will safely say he might be the bravest one of the bravest performers I've ever seen in that yeah. this man will go on a TV show and improvise an entire appearance on a television show. With music, yes. With music. Yeah. I think you and I, we've seen him enough to know that, yes, he everything he does, he makes out of whole cloth right on the spot. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, if you haven't seen Reggie Watts perform live, you should yeah. do yourself a favor and try to try to see him or just yeah google some television i'm you know some late night or concert appearances by him and it's just something to behold it's amazing it's so much fun and it's different every time right he's a that rare like he's equally talented at music as he is at comedy yeah so he can improvise the way a jazz artist would improvise music and then also improvise in the comedy sense and stick the landing and stick the landing to yeah. use that term but yeah and uh of course now he's on tv every night he's james corden also james corden's band leader so that's right which we we learned about that job too and and how he kind of brings his sense of improv to that mm-hmm. position but before that he was a regular on the conan show and he even opened for conan on the legally prohibited from being funny on television tour or that's correct as i like to call it yes that all happened back in 2010 and that's how reggie came into the kind of the conan family so to speak so here he is mr reggie watts i remember seeing you like when i first started going to see live comedy in los angeles and it just blew my mind i was like oh Wait, there can be musical comedy that's actually good music. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thanks for that. That that was like half the reason why I do it. It's not a musical parody. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's not intentionally bad. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, that's awesome. Where where did you first see Reggie? I don't know if I saw you at UCB for the first time. Uh I I vividly remember a show at El Cid, though. That was like a long, long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Probably when I first moved here. Yeah, it was like in the mid-aughts, probably. Yeah. I feel like everyone remembers the first time they saw Reggie. (laughs) I I think everyone's just, it's not like anything you've seen before. So it just... What's the first time you saw Reggie, Sweeney? The first time I saw Reggie, well, first time I heard about Reggie was from all the writers when Conan was going on tour and they're, oh, yeah. and you know, it's just like, well, the, you know, should be an opening act. And I think Todd Levin was like, uh, Reggie Watts. And then all the other, other writers were like, oh my God, yes, Reggie Watts. And I had not seen you, uh, because you know, I never left the office. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea. I didn't know who was president. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the first time I saw you was me, I guess I saw a video maybe. And, but the first time I saw you live probably was, on tour? No, you just booked him without You never went to a rehearsal, him. right, for the tour? No. I don't think so. You just showed up and did the show. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eugene, yeah. Was, and the, you know, you killed right away and, and it was fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah. 
thanks. Yeah, that was that was, that was a weird, that was a very weird moment. <laughs> like, because like oh, you, you, we, when you hear about something in a news cycle, and but then you're directly associated to it, like a few days later, right? Very, right. Very, very yeah. Because had, had you been following the all the drama with the Tonight Show, and then yeah, got a call to be a part of the tour. Yeah, I mean, like everybody was talking about it, all the comedians, and you know, and so we all knew about right. it, and we're right, and we're all like. And then, uh, and then, uh, uh, and then, like a few days, then we then we heard about the the tour, the plans for a tour, and then sh- not too long after that, I, my manager called and was like, "Hey, we'll do the tour." I was like, "Sure, sure." <laughs> I think you had other stuff. Stuff maybe you were doing other tours, but it worked out where you could do all the shows. It yeah. just was worked out perfectly. You just planned a parallel tour. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I was just like helicoptering. <laughs> right. Back and forth. Can you tell us more about, so this is, I mean, we're kind of backing into it, but this is how you, I think, first became associated with the uh, Conan and the Conan TV show, right? Am I wrong? Maybe uh, I'm wrong about that. It, no, it, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, I knew Todd from uh, the Jimmy Kimmel, or not Jimmy Kimmel, the Jimmy Fallon, she's so many Jimmy's, um, the yeah. Fallon show. And, um, I believe, and uh, or he knew people. I don't know. He was responsible right. slightly for that, for me being on that show. Oh, because he was in the comedy. Because he would be at the comedy nights. Uh huh. Yeah. You know what? The the writers are great sources for everything. Like casting, like there'd be always be new sketches and be like, oh, who'd be good for this? And just because the writers were out all the time, and at UCB they would say, oh, this person, that person. Sure. So that was the first time. It was like. Hey, who'd be who'd be a good opening act for Conan? Oh, but they they had the great. answer for that too, so it was great. I know I felt so lucky. It was it was amazing. It was one of the greatest tours I've been on. A few tours, and that was definitely yeah. one of the best tours I've ever been on. Yeah, I'm sure the energy was just insane. It was. Yeah, it was a very unique tour because it was half television people mm-hmm. and half like tour people, music touring people. So it was this really cool convergence of two different production styles ah. um, working together, which was insane. I, I love, cause I love seeing how production functions. And so that was really cool. Oh. Yeah. Were you kind of familiar with both sides of it? I mean, just from having a music background? Uh, yes. Yes. I mean, the music touring probably more so than TV, but I had been on, yeah. you know, a couple TV things. Um, and, you know, I definitely understood how, TV worked. I just didn't have as much experience with it. Um, you know, and then of course going out on the road, the version of the TV element to it was also slightly different. So like right. everything was slightly different than it normally would be isolated, you know? Right. Were you a fan of like, had you watched late night before you ended up going on the tour with Conan? Did you, what was your sort of cultural awareness of Conan O'Brien? And you can make the stuff up. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. And these are all going to be lies and embellishments. Um, right, right. And, um, there's just like a Conan drone floating out my window right now. Like, I did. There's a sight trained on your forehead. Yeah, I just heard. I just heard uh, missiles armed. Uh, but, um, yeah, no. Uh, you know, quite honestly, I I, I didn't have television. Um, I didn't have access to cable. I didn't live with it in the '90s, uh, late '90s into 2000s. Also, I didn't. You know, and obviously the the internet was new, but people were passing around clips and stuff like that. And right. I probably saw things here and there, but Conan was really the only show that I really paid attention to when I did see clips because he was a weirdo, you know, he was, he was the kind of outlier mm. guy. And I really appreciated 
just the strangeness of, and also the sincerity of what he was doing. The other shows were a little bit more standard. Yeah, it seemed like you had a similar sketch sensibility in terms of wanting to zag when others zig. Right, yes, 100%. So I was aware of that. So I always had like a, a huge amount of respect for him. Yeah, it was just kind of like something that was built in, you know, like he was kind of like of the late night. I was, he was the closest to the sensibilities of all the comics I was hanging out with in the Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> so he felt like, oh, he's kind of like one of us, but he's got a talk show. When's he coming to the Lower East Side to see? I know. When's he going to come there? It's like now he's too tall. He can't. He can't fit through the door, man. He's too tall. Right, man. So then <laughs> you kind of quickly started becoming a staple on the TBS show in terms of a guest, like a musical slash stand-up, yeah, spot guest, which was a really. I mean, that was nice for the show. I'm sure to kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. That's so cool. <laughs> Do you remember the first appearance you did? Because I just watched a bunch of them. Um, I know you did, let's see, in 2010. Yeah, I think that was the first. It was in no, November, so it was right after the show started. Was it the one I was wearing the golf sweater? Yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I lost <laughs> yeah, that sweater. You remember, do you remember based on what you wore? Yeah, yeah, yeah basically what sweater I wore. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I think that was the one. I think Kumail was in the audience. I got him into the show um, with Emily. Oh, nice. Yeah, I do remember that. Well, you know, I mean, that was the cool thing about Conan, right? Like, like the whole team around Conan and the whole spirit around the Conan show is more open to people who are a little bit outside of the norm and they're a lot right. more forgiving and open um, to trying an idea. And so for me... Obviously, I had gone on tour, so they saw what I did. Um, that definitely helped. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but being, they knew what they were getting into. Yeah, they they, they knew pretty much. What I was, even though I didn't know what I was doing, but like you know, they they were like, "Go for it, kid!" You know, and uh, uh, yeah, his I mean, five minutes. Here's his five minutes. Good luck. And it was like, "Oh boy, oh boy." Um, no, when they, and, they, and they put some future stars in the audience. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, no yeah. big deal. It's Hollywood. Yeah, I, I you know it was. I just remember being you know obviously very excited and. Um, you know, nervous. I wanted to do. I wanted to do well. But you know, once I got started, it was it was great. But it was always like so. I mean, that five minutes goes by like boom. You know, like it's yeah. so yeah. quick. And for me, I'm like, I hope this is enough time, right? You know, and I hope I'm not going overtime. You know, that's really that right, was probably my right. biggest concern <laughs> the whole time I was performing. I was like, I hope I hope I'm on time. Yeah. <laughs> You're not used to that constraint ever, I I assume, you know, not, just not general. I mean, because it's loose kind of straight jacketing. Yeah, right, right, right. I yeah. mean, TV is a lot more like, please stick to this. Right. You know, we would appreciate yes. it very much. Yeah, right. The advertisers would like if you. Right, yes. right, right. Yeah, we don't want to edit your performance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unless you're going to mention Budweiser. Yeah, yeah, totally. Unless you mention one of our sponsors. Uh, we'll just tie it into a commercial. Um, and then we won't have to pay for it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, doing obviously doing like lineup nights, you know, you, you should stick to a certain amount of time, but obviously it's loose. So yeah, this was like me kind of having a new parameter that I wanted to, I wanted to be concise. When you started doing TV spots, were you worried about how your, your comedy was going to translate into that, you know, like you said, that, that golf sweater type five, like, was that stressful for you to have to kind of condense things into? No, again, really, really the only thing that I, that I wanted to make sure was that I was fitting within the time that was asked for the show. Like that, yeah. that was, that was the only thing I was ever really worried about. Right. The creativity part, that's kind of the easier part because 
you know, that's that's what I do. But mostly I just want to make sure that I'm respectful of the show's time. That's so nice that you have that sort of inner <laughs> security about. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise yeah. I freak out. <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. I'm just like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think if you're, in, if you improvise something for five minutes afterwards, do, are you ever just like, oh, I wish I had thought of this or that, or you don't even worry. It's just like, it is what it is. And uh, it depends. It depends. Sometimes yeah. I'll have like, you know, I want it to end energetically differently right. than, than I did mm. because I might've been like a little bit too worried about time. And then I kind of forgot about doing it. So, uh, you know, I did that when I did Ted. Uh, the way I ended it was not the way I wanted to end it. Um, I wanted it to be like full of effects and swimming, you know, and all this cool mm. shit. And then I wanted to cut off, but instead it was like I had no effects. So I was kind of trying to do it vocally and it really sucked. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like all the Conan things, like they all did, I mean, because I also did some high concept stuff on there. And, right. uh, yeah. And just the fact that I got to do it was enough, even if it yeah. wasn't like exactly maybe how I envisioned it in my mind. The fact that I actually did it and, and walked out the stage was like, wow, that was a thing that I thought about. And I actually got to do it. I pulled it off. I pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah. My impression was you had kind of an open inv- Once the TBS show started, it was kind of like, come on when yeah. you feel like you're ready and then do whatever. Pretty much, it was whatever you felt like doing. Which yeah, is, I know. It's great. I know. I, I I loved that. I mean, I loved that. Yeah. You know, the other thing I loved about, um, you know, I'm, I think I talked about this for the documentary. All right, Conan O'Brien can't stop. Yeah, yeah. I talked about it, but but the thing I also liked my my things that I noticed about shows is that shows are run by a, a whole crew of people, and you know, there's showrunners and all all this stuff. But right. really, the feeling of a show kind of reflects the host in in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh-huh. depending on like some people kind of surrender to whatever they're just like it's a job, and they just like here's here's what it ends up being, and this is it. Right. But with Conan, it always felt it always just felt chill like that. Which I always appreciated because if I if I ran a show, that's that's the vibe, right? You know, that's like Conan. Right. Conan was doing a show the way I would run a show, right. if, you know. Not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm in, anybody in that realm, but but you know what I mean. Like if, maybe at some point, yeah, maybe who knows? Uh, but uh, but yeah, I you know, and so I appreciated that, and I also appreciated even on tour. I like that he took the time to like he'll just come into the dressing room and just like hang out, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. He legitimately likes to hang out. Yeah, he really likes to hang out. And I know, you know, he he's a hanger outer. Yeah, he's a hangers yeah. outer, and he, you know, and he needs he needs people energy. I understand. I'm the same yeah. kind yes. of person. Yes. I need some energy. So why not? Like, let's dive into someone's vibe. You know, that's on the show because right. they're here. Yeah. So like, let's do it. You know. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Plus, we commiserated over the fact that he grew up calf and I grew up calf. Oh yeah. And uh, and then I'm half redhead. Yeah, so we're both, um, I'm half redhead, he's full redhead, you know, so there's... there's, Wait, which half? uh, My mother's uh, (laughs) French with red hair. Oh, I thought maybe it was like the back. Oh yeah, no, 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 not not. uh, That would be incredible. That would be. I would never. They'd be like, "Oh, you're so punk rock." It's like that. That don't do anything. It's just like this. (laughs) Speaking of your mother being French, one of my favorite things is all the different accents and voices you do. And do is that ever pre-planned? Like I saw one where like you kind of had a New York voice, then you did a song, then you came back out of that, and you're British. I, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it every time I've seen you. And do you ha- do you ever plan that ahead of, or you're just like whatever voice comes into your head at the time? No, I don't really plan it. I, yeah, I'm just, okay. I'm just like, it. you know, like as I'm approaching the stage, I'm like, oh, right. maybe I just start talking. <laughs> and then if the voice kind of sounds British, then I just stick right. with it, uh, you know? Right. And then I know that when I end a song, like if, as I'm, 
finishing a bit or something or a sonic thing or uh, I or it doesn't have to be a song it could just be a hard switch like mid sentence or whatever but I'm just thinking like oh something different something different oh um this coming out of it right and then I'll, I'll just switch to that wow you know but it, it yeah. really depends it's like it's it's like that's that's what I love about it I'm like ah, how do I because I'm really just kind of in the audience you know right. as, as I'm mm-hmm. doing it and so I'm like what's gonna fuck them up you know like like <laughs> You know, oh, like, I love that. You know, you're, like, you're, kind of, you're putting yourself in the audience and like, what would throw them for a loop? Yeah, exactly. Like, what do I yeah, want? Yeah. What would I want to see? Like, I want to, I want to be, I want, you know, I want to be tripped out. I want to be, right. you know, I want to be like destabilized, yeah. you know? And right, so, right, right. yeah, that's usually, it's just like an instinctual. I want to feel like someone slipped something in my drink. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always say that like for my performances, I want, I want people who aren't on drugs to feel like they're on drugs and people who are, yeah, who yeah. are on yeah. drugs <laughs> to like blast off into another dimension. So. <laughs> Hopefully. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow. Well, I don't think I realized. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that you did a lot of improv, but I I don't know if I realized that you were literally like walking out there, not totally sure what you were going to do. So what would you do? Because I know usually for our standups, there would be like a rehearsal mm. um, or even, for instance, you did a you did one where you played uh, and you started improvising music with the basic cable band. Oh, yeah. Like, what would you do to rehearse for that? Did you rehearse at all? Or were you literally just like, I'm showing up right before my... A sound check. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the most I would do is may, maybe maybe a sound check. But I think the one with the band, I don't even know if we did that. Because all all I said was at the end, I'll cue you to, 
you know, kind of take over from what I'd laid down on the loop wow. machine. Oh, wow. And then they would take over and we'd just do this handoff and then I would continue. And so, yeah, because you don't, you know, the thing is like those things I don't really need. I think the the, the one, the, the kind of the song about a horse or whatever like that, right. I think I discussed a structure with the musicians backstage. So we had a structure and we just came up with the strumming pattern like backstage in the green room. And that was kind of it. Wow. Uh, wow. And then when we went on stage, you know, it was just costuming and lights to make it look more solid than it was. And uh, and then we just started and just did it. And then and then that was the one where uh, what's his name from ZZ Top uh, Gibbons? Oh, Billy, Billy Gibbons. Yeah, Billy Gibbons just happened to be there and decided to join in. And so he's just there oh, in the back. Right. And I was like, OK, yeah, sure. Let's have him, too. Sure. Absolutely. Wow. That's so magical. It was very magical. It was very just very surreal, yeah. you know, because that's my favorite thing. I love having like all these insane resources set up for a moment that's like super uncertain. It's like the yeah. the, the best feeling for me because you've got the support of the, the framework around you. Yeah. So that kind of does all the heavy lifting for structure. Um, and, and then all I have to do is play off of the situation, which is just a blast for me. Yeah. They, I mean, they're the basic cable band, Oof. they're so great at just... Because they would back a lot of musical guests, and they, they just seemed incredibly versatile and kind of could just jump into anything. So Oh, they were they were, they were great. They were the greatest, man. Like, really, yeah. really cool cats. I'm glad I got to meet them. And Jimmy was always, like, just such a warm, open, welcoming guy for me. Jimmy Vivino. Yeah, the Vivino. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so... It's cool to hear, because I feel like what you're describing with comedy... It's similar in music where if you're just, if you have enough skilled musicians, they can get together without rehearsing and kind of make something, make something. And, and maybe your comedy is similar where it's like, if you're, if you're a skilled enough improviser, you can just, and you have other people like that around you, yeah. you can just go out there and make something, Yeah, which is what it feels like watching you and Conan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's the comedy is very similar to music. That's what for me uh, when I, I play music, but also I see comedy as music as well. And so it's similar, at least improvisationally, they kind of come from the same place. It's just a different expression of the same idea. There was one appearance that I wanted to ask you about where you you really kind of went into a comedy sketch, the uh, Kwanzaa Juice. Oh yeah, sketch. Yeah, yeah, was that something you had written, or did you like did did a writer pitch that for you? How, what, cause it felt like that was your appearance, but I, I couldn't tell exactly where the, like where the sketch ended and where the oh yeah performance began. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, that, that wasn't all I told, I told them I wanted like kind of like a fireplace chair kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a large tome of some sort. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I wanted like some kind of a bottle that was labeled Kwanzaa juice. I think those are the, the oh, things okay. that I asked for. And then, so you produced the sketch. Yeah. Yeah. I produced, yeah, I guess I produced the sketch. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And then I just like, you love production. I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. And I just like, I just got up and improvised. Oh, wow. You know, cause I knew that I was going to probably start sitting down with the tone. That that I knew, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and, uh huh, and and then I was gonna do something with. <laughs> you the, gotta tome out there. You gotta address the. You, tome. you gotta you gotta you gotta tome it up. Yeah, tome to tome tome. <laughs> yeah, so tome. Yeah, tome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That was just like one of those things where I was like, just have these things out there, and I think wow. it'll work out. And it did. Yeah, it did. I thought it was pre-written. I was like, oh, maybe that was a, I don't know, a Jose Arroyo sketch. Oh, gonna, nice pitch for you. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. That's great. It worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. As we all know, you are now the uh, 
you're the house band, the band leader at the Corden show. How did you start getting involved uh, with the Late Late Show? Yeah, that was, uh, I think I I just stopped doing comedy bang bang. Right. Oh, wait, so the, the emphasis is on the second bang. Yes, bang, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, thank you. We've been saying it wrong. Well, I, yeah. I'm always afraid to mention it because I don't know which <laughs> band accent. It sucks because it's like, it's it just seems a certain way and it's not and it kind yeah. of like it's terrible. I like comedy death ray was just That's why easier. English is hard. Yeah, it English. really separates real fans from yes the hoi polloi comedy bang bang. Um, bang bang. Yeah, so I I just quit. You know, I was I was did my last show uh-huh. and was in town. I think for like an extra few weeks or something like that. Right. Then I got this call from my manager saying like, oh, this guy James got he's going to take over Kilborn's. I guess no, not Kilborn. Yeah, is that right? Uh, oh uh, no, Craig. No, Craig Ferguson. 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 Yeah, Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So many Craigs. For, yeah, right. so many Craigs. So many Jimmys. <laughs> take over his spot, and he, you know, he's got, so it's going to be a talk show, and you know, he's interested in you being a band leader. And I was like, I was like, but I just got out of being a band leader, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I already did my time. I did my time. I put in my time already. Um, <laughs> now we're getting pigeonholed. Yeah. No. Um, you know. So I was like, yeah, I'll meet with them and. Met with him at this hotel in Beverly Hills. And yeah, and it was just kind of like, he just was like, do you want to be the band leader? I mean, it was, wow. it's like, it's like most of the things in my life, I've, I've gotten really lucky because people just asked me to do it. And I, I didn't have to like, I wasn't. <laughs> and you don't know how to say no. Yeah, I don't know how to say no. You know? <laughs> or it's obvious that I should say yes. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you were like. I already do a fake British accent, and yeah. now this guy's doing one. I know, it's like, why is <laughs> he, oh, oh, well, God, these Brits. Ah. <laughs> it was surreal, though, I mean, because, you know, I'd just yeah. gotten done with Comedy Bang Bang. I was like, oh, well, right. I play a fake band leader, Yeah, you know, on a, 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 right, you know, right. a band leader. I'm a one-man band leader on a fake talk show, and then here's this guy uh-huh. asking me to be on an actual talk show as an actual band leader with, an, with a band. Yeah. So it was very weird to, like, have those things time out like that. It was very odd. Uh, so did you did you go out and put that band together yourself? Yeah. Is that all? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They asked me, you know, I, you know, Sarah Silverman, basically, I, I, I took like a month to figure out whether I want to do this or not. Right. And, um, and Sarah at the end was like, well, just just ask for all the stuff that you want. And if they give it to you, consider doing it. So, uh, you know, so I just said, oh, I want to put together my own band. I want the band to yeah. improvise. I don't want to be wearing suits. Right. Um, I want it to be more of a rock rock band kind of mm-hmm. a situation. And um, and I want to minimize rehearsing as much as possible because I want to be improvising. That was great advice from uh, Sarah Silverman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah's always the sage. If I, have a, if I have an issue, a conundrum, I just ask her. Uh-huh. She usually gives me a, a pretty awesome reflection. And so they said yes to everything. And then you're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I gotta do now it. I have to do it. Yeah, it was seriously. It. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I gotta do it now. Uh, right, right. But it was great. It was great. They've outsmarted me in yeah. every turn. Those are great terms, though. It was great yeah. terms, and and they yes. agreed to it, and I love that they did. And I think James just has really good instincts. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in that yeah. regard, he's really good at letting people do what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was great. And then I, yeah, I just put together. I knew the first two cats that I wanted. You know, I wanted, I wanted uh, Tim and Steve. I knew Tim and Steve from Seattle days, uh-huh. and Tim's a genius guitar player. Um, you know, just a virtuosic monster, and uh, and then. Steve was great because he had a company called Ike Beats that uh, did uh-huh. soundalikes and uh, um, audio logos for uh-huh. uh, radio stations all over the world. So he had to reverse engineer 
um, you know, all kinds of songs because they wanted sound alikes. So he he's just like oh, a wow. master producer. Yeah. And so wow. I was like, oh, that'll come in handy. He's also an amazing keyboardist and a saxophone player. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that'll come in handy if they need jingles, you know, or they need something that's pre-written for a sketch or whatever. He could do it. And in his sleep, it's super easy for him. It's wild how things happen when they should. Like mm-hmm. you had all this background with mus- other musicians. And when it came time for you to like pick a band. Yeah. You knew right where to go. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, although the drummer and the bass player, that was a little bit more of a hunt. Um, Just I, play along. Yeah, because, yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, yes. Well, wait, what were you saying? I feel like I interrupted you. So y- yeah, you had this great... Yeah, it was great. And then I was looking for a, a drummer and a, and a bass player. Uh-huh. And I asked uh, Catherine Popper from um, Jack White's band at the time, because uh-huh. um, she's yeah, just an amazing bass player. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because I wanted, like... Uh, Tim and Steve, and then I wanted diversity uh-huh. um, for for the band, and so right. there were all kinds of great musicians that I could have asked. You know, it could have been like right. a bunch of dudes up there, but I need at least one or two other women in the band, sure, and at least a person of color in the band. And right. so, yeah, um, Guillermo was recommended to me uh, by a bunch of local musicians and tried him out, and I was like, oh, I like this guy's vibe. He's 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 great, and so yeah, yeah asked him, and then. Hagar was in New York. I was in New York because I was still living in New York, you know, getting ready to uh, move all my shit. Uh, and uh, so I met her at a rehearsal space. And I, I, I tried out a bunch of different bass players, but right. amazing bass players, but they just weren't like down to just wasn't they weren't the right vibe. And then uh, I right. sat down with Hagar and I did like I brought my looping pedal and I would do like I would just improvise a song, like do a, a quick beat and then do like a vocal bass line or whatever. And then she would like hear the bass line and immediately start playing it. And yeah. then we'd jam for a little bit. I did, it only took me about like maybe 10 minutes. And I was like, yeah, this is the one. And plus she's like super charismatic um, uh-huh. and very striking. And so uh-huh. uh, that was kind of like, I didn't actually notice that until she actually showed up though, Brett. Like, Cause I was like, oh, she's badass. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And then yeah. she showed up for rehearsal and all the producers were like, wow, she's so telegenic. And I was, uh, uh-huh. I was like, oh yes. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, like, I knew that. I, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But, you know, she's Israeli. It was cool. Like, and so I think, like, yeah. we put together a good Muppet band. You know, I right. just wanted a, a Muppet vibe. And, and mm-hmm. all of those players are all kind of outsiders. You know, Guillermo's like yeah. one of a kind. And Tim has, like, been playing in weirdo, super high intellectual, but weirdo bands for a long time. Uh-huh. I mean, also playing for like Katie Lang and play people like right. that as well. Right. But generally his, his original projects are like really way out. Awesome stuff. And then, and then Steve was just like a studio dude. Like he was just in a studio, right. like hunched over, you know? Um, so like an indoor kid, you know? So like right, the right. whole band is a bunch of like weirdos, you know, and the Hagar's Israeli, yeah. like, you know, like playing for yeah. all kinds of people. Yeah. So it was great. And when I put it together and they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, great. Okay. So is that is that chemistry when it all can you just look at all the band members and go, oh, that person's really fitting in with everyone? You know what I mean? Like it just musically, can you tell that or just yeah? Is is also involved like talking in between and yeah. getting a, a vat just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I did, I purposely set up this series of, I did a weekly show, uh-huh. um, which was kind of like going back to my roots in Seattle in the nineties when we'd have jam nights. Uh-huh. And so I had a, and I you know, purposefully chose a Tuesday night, either one of a Tuesday or Wednesday, kind of an off night at El Cid. And we would uh, just improvise, you know, for a couple hours. And I did that for, we did that for 
I'd say like almost a year. Oh, wow. And, um, and I did it on purpose because I wanted to accelerate the chemistry. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So I just like putting people on the spot, you know, it's like, well, we're doing a show. So we're going to improvise live and uh, we're going to see what happens. And, and it just worked out. That's really smart. Yeah. And you had to get everyone else as comfortable as you are with right, that. Cause I'm right. sure that's not what every musician, you know, gets into music thinking, oh, I'm going to have to also kind of improvise on live television. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, I want to just wanted them to be comfortable, you know, because, yeah. And, and, and now we, we, we do improvise, but it's kind of, uh, we have, because we have to, any piece of music that we do has to be registered for publishing. Oh, right, right, right. So we, we actually now have our, a catalog, like a bump catalog uh, of bumpers. And yes. so we have like, I think, so I think uh, Tim calculated it at around like 4,000 or maybe more wow. um, of these bumpers. And so he can just put together, uh, you know, on the list, on the sheet for the day, he'll like, Oh, we'll do oh, this. We'll do yeah. that. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then he'll slightly remind like in our comms, like, you know, while the guests are on or while we're doing a bit, he'll, right. he'll be like, dun, 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 E. Okay, cool. And then we're sitting there for a second, yeah. and then wow. they'll be like, "We'll be right back." And, mm, 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 mm. Uh-huh. so there's like reminders. Oh, yeah, so you don't have to memorize what number everything is. No. Like this is two thousand three hundred and seventeen. <laughs> yeah, and some people do yeah. recognize the names. Yeah, the, oh, I mean wow. the bump. The names are fucking ridiculous. Right. I mean they they are <laughs> sure. they are so stupid. But they're they're yeah. they're they're I, I can't even think of any. But like I think Bezos Mikulos is one of them. <laughs> What's the oh yeah like Don's Sweeney who he was like our original uh, uh, kind of music dude. Uh, I like that one. There's just like a bunch, and they're they're just so ridiculous. And some of them are like you re- we're really gonna register these. But uh, can you string them all together and release them as like oh an album? Oh my god! Yeah, cool. just like the longest Spotify playlist. Oh we god. should explain a bumper is <laughs> that's the music when it's like we'll be right back, yeah. and then the music yeah. goes to commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the play in play out of the play in play music. Out. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I, I kind of realized I, I theorized this. I don't know if it's true, but yeah. I was thinking like the, the reason why they call them bumpers. Do you think it's because it's in relation to cars? You know, like the bumpers on cars, like there's a front bumper and a rear mm-hmm. bumper. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. I think that's exactly what it is. Seems like it would be. Or it's some weird German word from the 20s. Oh, and yeah. it protects the show from impact. Yes, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> from yeah. the commercials. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, it's not a dry cut back to the show. Yeah. You know, it's like there's a little yeah. bit of softening. A little moisture. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. moisture, <laughs> a little, you know, crossfade moisture. It's great. So there's not too much friction. <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want a dry show because it breaks. Well, how are you? So, uh, James Corden just announced that he's ending his show next year. What? I know. Oh, that's man. why we I had really you on. Oh shit! Would have heard. They that. wanted us to break the news to you. They thought. Oh, this oh, right after you woke shoot. up was the way to do oh, it. Okay. Um, I really don't think we should be the ones doing this. Wow, that's so cool. Um, no, I mean that's. Oh. Uh, no, that's that's cool. That's really cool. It's not for a year, so you have time. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's oh, that's still a year away. I mean, it is kind of nice with with these you know Hollywood announcements like that. It's like you have a year to sort of let right. things sink in, and you yeah. probably knew about this before that knew. announcement. Yeah, well, he, I mean, you've probably been badgering them. Well, yeah, yeah. Go I mean, back to that. It was it was it was definitely like everyone was like. Uh, what are you, what are you, when are you gonna, yeah, yeah. what are you, right. you know, um, for, for a while, everyone's playing cool mm. and everyone's like running theories, you know, but I, someone, someone said like months and months ago that they said that, uh, they were talking to James and he remembers 
James saying James saying something to the crew that he'd like to give people a year. Mm. So uh-huh. so I and James for them, you know, that's the one thing. It's like when James says something will be like the way it is like it. I don't think there's ever been a time when that hasn't been true. Like like uh-huh. he says what he means. And and so it was this. Uh, so I, I, I had a pretty I was pretty certain um, right. yeah. prepared for maybe not, but but pretty certain right. that there was at least going to be a year behind it. And then I just remember uh, after a show, the band was like, yeah, James wants to meet with us, but like with the band and I never got a text. So I was like, oh, he just wants to meet with you guys. Okay, cool. So I started to leave and <laughs> and James was coming down the, the hallway and he's like, he's like, uh, Rick, are you joining us? And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. You, uh, you want me to go the down? Band leader? Are you going yeah. to join? Like, okay, sure. And then, and then we just walked down into the band room and he sat down and it was great. I mean, he told us before, I mean, you know, a few people knew, uh, you know, but uh, he told us first cause he was like, well, you know, you're, mm. you're part of the, you know, you're on camera and right. you, you know, you're, you're, you're on, on stage and you're the kind of the face of it. And so I just wanted to let you know what I've decided. And then, you know, he talked about it and it was, it was emotional, you know, he was, yeah. um, it's hard not to, you know, I try to play it cool, but it's hard not to be emotional when, you know that this is something that he sincerely has thought about very, very, very right. hard and uh, made this decision. And I was kind of not totally surprised because, you know, I I just I kind of like I because I see James as he's kind of similar to me. He's like, you know, he's on a journey and he's he's, a, he's an artist right. and a creator. And he I don't think that I never felt like this is his absolute right. thing that he wants to do. Right. Yeah, this is a stop along the yeah, way. Like yeah. this was his ultimate dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he again yeah. he got offered it like I did. You know, right. um, it wasn't right. wasn't like he was fighting to get it. He was like, you know, right. Anyway, so I wasn't totally surprised. And then, um, yeah, it was a very very odd moment. It's like one of those surreal moments. I mean, it's kind of similar, like taking it back to like getting the the Conan tour. It's like you're you're like right. you hear about something and then it doesn't then nothing for a little bit. And then suddenly it's like, here's the reality. It's like, Oh, right. For real. Like, re- yeah. Oh, yeah. this is the reality. Oh, Oh, this really is. I guess I have to address this now with myself. Yeah. <laughs> like this is real. So I need to figure that mm-hmm. out. But, um, you know, I actually, I'm very excited. I, I think it's good, uh, especially for creative folks to be scared a, a bit and not get too comfortable. And you right. know, yeah. and it all depends on, you know, obviously the crew, the, the production people would love it to keep going forever. You know, that's like the sure. gig. I get it. Um, for creative people, it's nice to be dangerous. Yeah. Well, and these are great gigs. I mean, a late night show, it's like one of the only jobs that you kind of know where you're going to be for the next year. And yes. you also know what your vacation days are. And right. it's like, it's just very stable. It's the, yeah. it's the insurance company of yes. television. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I, and I get it. And, you know, and all the, the, you know, the people in the band are like, okay, well, what are we going to, you know, everybody's, right, right, yeah. everybody's right. like, it's a, it's a mixed bag, you know, cause they're like, okay, yeah. that yeah. means I got to figure out, I mean, even for me, I'm like, oh, yeah. I got to figure out, well, I guess I better save up this year because right. I don't know what's going right, to happen right, right. the year afterwards, you know? Uh, well, I'm sure someone's going to just offer you something. <laughs> Probably yeah, the last day exactly. of the Late Late Show. I want you to start doing dramatic acting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah, have yeah. great acting chops. Yeah, well, you yeah. Know, we'll see. Will Smith. Uh, 
Uh, no, but uh, uh, <laughs> someone uh, has to fill fill in that. Yeah, void. that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why totally not the, you? The void, <laughs> the void of the lack of serious actors. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know, but but I think in general there's kind of excitement. There's like that uncertainty, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also sure. Fuck it, you know. It's like when I decided to quit my job in my twenties and focus on music. Like that was right. really scary. Yeah. Like, no, sa- no safety net. No. And you're right. I don't think for artists being too comfortable is not usually a good thing for innovation in, right. in terms of right. keeping things. It has to be a little scary. Like you said. Yeah. And that's, and that's a totally fine. And I mean, James is in the same spot. He doesn't know yeah. what he's going to do either. Mm-hmm. And, um, right. and he feels that he's just like, I just know that this is, this is the right decision for me. And, and, and I really appreciated that. I, I appreciate yeah. his honesty. Yeah. His, just his ability to communicate what it is uh-huh. that he needs to say yeah. as he's feeling it. And you can tell that he's taken a lot of consideration behind it. You can feel yeah, it. I'm sure it's a, it's a hard thing to walk away from. Yeah. Yes. Has your time there gone super fast? That that was my Man, experience. It's working like on a late night show, light speed. That just like whoa, yeah. How did seven years go by? Yeah, you guys know it's it's like you know you 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 show up and you do your thing and you get into a rhythm and right. it's broken up by amazing moments and then there's right. like mm-hmm. some like well the show just ran really well today you know it's like it's like right, they right, all right, start right, to right, kind of bleed right. together the comedy factory right. yeah. yeah yeah totally yeah you're, you're pumping out you know it's a it's a, it's a volume based uh, industry so it's mm-hmm. like yeah we've got to make a lot of stuff a lot of content yeah of course and you almost ha- don't have time to think about the future really do you yeah. know what I mean it's so you've got to be oh we're doing a show we're doing a sh-. you're just like making donuts so yeah it's hard to think long range you know? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not really a thing that naturally lends itself to that way of thinking. It's more right, like, right. yeah, you know, especially for me, because I just I, I show up. I'm not part of the rehearsal. I show up like, you know, 10 minutes before the show starts. And, uh, you know, and then we. we is that true? Show. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. my God. That sounds great. Yeah. but Oh, so you don't like when, when they do musical parodies or anything like that. Are you are you involved? Your music work is all just about playing on the show. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, if there's like any extra music, usually they'll ask Steve to do that. Ah, uh, um, got it. If there's got a it. bit like I, because I, I, you know, I told them like I didn't want the band to automatically back up. You know, people. I wanted. Right. I wanted like yeah. because I just I like the band keep being them the unique. Band. Yeah, right. just, mm-hmm. just keep them the band. And on rare occasion, we will like we they backed up a couple of musicians went and backed up Michael Bublé. Right. And that was really great. Um, oh, that's cool. Well, for Buble, you got to do yeah. it. For Bubbles, anything. You want that on your resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just want it. You just want to say you did it, you know? The boobs. Um, yeah, I just wanted the band to kind of like be the band. And so uh, uh-huh, for the most right. part, we, we're just doing music. And if there's yep. anything that's extra, generally, uh, Tim, mm-hmm. who I kind of thought when I put the band together would kind of become the first officer, you know? Um, right, right, he, right. He, He's that yeah. guy. So he helps organize uh, all this stuff. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. So he's kind of like the, the AD. Man. Um, and, and cool. I just, that way I just get to show up and oh, do my that thing. Sounds so sweet. It's great. Well, I know we have to let you go, but I, I love the Reggie's question segment that you do on the late, late show. Yeah. But I want, I thought this was our chance to ask you a question. Sure. So Reggie, if you could ask yourself one question, would you, mm. you don't have to answer it. You know, if I had to ask myself one question, would I? Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to. Take as much time as you need. Yeah, if I had to. No, then I would've... you don't have to. Oh. You could. Oh, okay, if yeah. I could. Uh, mm, no, probably not. 
Smart That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Reggie. Oh, my yeah, pleasure. It's great seeing you again. Yeah. Can't wait to see what you do next. For sure. Yeah. 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 We'll see. I'll just be like on a farm. Just like. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> they just asked me. They asked me to run the farm. Yeah. He's running a farm in a golf sweater. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you, Reggie Watts. That was great. Thank you, Reggie. He's a delightful. He is great. Human. Uh, hey, yeah. we've got a listener question. We do. We do. You know what? We get a lot of listener questions and not a lot of listener answers. <laughs> I want our listeners to give us some answers. Well, do we ever do we ever po- posit any questions? I mean, we have to ask questions. I just want to know questions. what to do it with my life or oh, the why big we're qu- all here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would love for anyone to weigh in on that. Yeah. Yes, please send us in answers. But in the meantime, we're going to answer your questions. Yeah, and you know what? This question, that yes. kind of, that little <laughs> existential intro sort of leads us into this question. Oh, okay, good. Let's hear it. It says, hmm... I thought about sending a voicemail, but heck, typing is so easy. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Mike, how did you go from attorney to comedy writer? What led you to make the change? What was it like to change professions asking for a friend? Uh Thanks. Kevin. Kevin. You know what? I used to be, when I did stand-up, there were lawyers who wanted to do stand-up who would kind of reach out to me and ask for advice. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover. I mean, we've maybe talked about this before, but I feel like lawyer brains and comedy writer brains are somewhat similar. Yeah, sure. In that you're solving puzzles a little bit. Right. My experience was a lot of the lawyers I met who went into comedy just went to law school because they were putting off Disappointing their parents. Pursuing comedy. (laughs) And it it has to do with parents. I mean, I I never wanted to be a lawyer ever in my life. And my my mother, who is kind of a monster, uh, basically told me I had... Made you? Yeah. But, you know, and then I was in law school and I was like, oh, well, I can't quit. Like, what? So I yeah I worked as a trial lawyer for three years in New York City. And that's... And I finally moved... Um, into New York City. And then I started You got out doing, of, yeah, your mom's house, which is probably helpful. Yes. And I started doing stand-up at night. So I was a lawyer during the day and then I'd run and do open mics. I'd still be in a suit because um, a lot of times I was working on a trial for the next day and I'd literally run from the office oh, to do stand-up. Did I did, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I once left a briefcase in a pocket park in New York, Midtown Manhattan with all... The evidence for a trial was in this. Oh my God. Ad, but I'm so absent-minded. I went back to work and I was like, okay, time to work in that case. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. I, I've never run. And there it was. This, Did the, somebody the, find it, but they dumped all the papers out and took uh, the briefcase. Oh my God. <laughs> that would have been fine. No, it was just still sitting right where oh, I had wow. eaten That's my great. lunch. But anyway, um, yeah, the second I was making $50 a week doing stand-up, I quit being a lawyer. And I had no money saved. I had, yeah. and I had, I had an illegal sublet, so my rent was cheap, so I could do that. But two hundred dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, and um, it was great. You know, at the time, like if I was date went on a date with someone, and I explained, oh, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I really want to do stand up comedy. If like twenty minutes later, the the woman said, um, I just can't get over you said. Why would you give up being a lawyer? And I'd be like, oh, uh, yes. thank you. We're one. done. You're not <laughs> the one. 
Yeah, I mean, most lawyers I know, or attorneys, I guess, are don't like being attorneys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were people in law school who are as like, oh, yes, you were born to be a lawyer. Like, they just yeah. love it. They just, they're very passionate about it. And, uh, but I, yes, I would happily encourage all, any lawyer who wants to go into comedy, do it. And the other thing. Just quit. <laughs> and no, and do it. I know a few lawyers who are also comedians. Right. And the other thing too, is you don't, you don't necessarily have to quit. If that sounds scary. Right. You could still do comedy. Yes. And have a day job and Absolutely. maybe even talk about your day job in your comedy. Absolutely. Yes. Um, or improv or whatever it is that yeah. you want to do at night. Um, and maybe, you know, starting that way, you can kind of ease yourself out of it. You don't have to like quit and then start taking improv classes. But Absolutely. Yeah. I just want less lawyers in the world. <laughs> I think that's win-win. But well, yes, I mean, that's how I did it. Of course, I started yeah. doing, trying stand-up and... And make and then, sure you like that too, because yes, <laughs> the irony, unfortunately, I mean, is that anything once you make it a job becomes a little bit less pleasurable. Yes. Do you ever think about what you would do if you didn't, uh, if you weren't a comedy writer now? Oh no, because I it can't think. Occurred to you five minutes ahead. Um, <laughs> well, you'll never have to make that decision, but uh, yeah, I don't. I, I become a golf pro on the senior tour. I. Uh, I'd have to learn to play golf. I don't know. How about you? I think about it all the time. Uh, I, I, the <laughs> fact you asked that made me think you've really given it a lot of thought. I mean, I have like the sort of pie in the sky, mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to open a sandwich shop or I'm going to open a yarn store. Wait, what? Yeah. You've thought about opening a yarn store. I certainly have. And it would just be a very cozy place where you uh -huh. could come and you could knit, uh -huh. you could buy yarn. I think I have an owl in this fantasy. A real owl. That, an oh, an that's owl. That's your mas that lives store there. mascot. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but would you know how to? I I couldn't. I could never run a run business. a business. No, no, see, that's the problem. Is I don't. I know how to do the thing that I like, but I don't know how to run a business about it. Which is also my problem with comedy. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, or I was like, maybe I'll start making CBD dog treats. <laughs> Oh, that's I haven't a, tried to do this at all, but that's oh, don't that worry. Seems like no, an emerging market. No one's going to arrest you. <laughs> I'm so naive when uh, about all things involving cannabis. Yeah, but is that a thing with dogs? Like getting your dog high? I have no idea. Oh, it's not even getting them high because the yeah. CBD is just for that's yeah. a re like the relaxing part of it. Sure, but it's to calm anxious dogs. Oh, and I have that. Oh, your dog is, is my dog is a lunatic. I love your yeah, dog. Yeah, she's crazy. She's great. She would eat the owl immediately. <laughs> 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 no, but then my I I think my like okay, if I actually yeah. really had to kind of do yeah. a full full career change. Yes. For some reason, I have this in my head, but uh, landscape architect. Ah, really? Yeah, I think I'd have to go maybe get a degree. Sure. It get to work outside. You're outside. I have a green thumb. That's what I was going to ask. I've seen your garden. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, my parents are both. They both have like full green hands. So I inherited just ah just one finger. Did you grow up doing a lot of planning? Like, were you kind of at their side? And... Yeah, yeah. All right. I did. So I did gardening with them, and yeah, my dad has a PhD in soil science, so he would give he gives me lots of 
tips. Okay. You know, I yeah. thought maybe we, we were near the end of the podcast, but then you said <laughs> your father has a PhD in soil science. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is that much to learn about it. Wow. Does he specialize in certain... Uh, I think he specializes in certain crops. Okay. Ah, all right. Yeah. So that's kind of what he... That's why we lived overseas, actually. He was consulting... Really? ...on crop growth in Latin America. Corn? Yes, some corn, but mostly like specialty crops, like berries, blueberries. Really? Is a big... Acid-loving? What kind of soil do, do blueberries I think, like? Crave? I don't, honestly, I don't know. Uh, don't play dumb. I, I know really you don't. know. I don't know what the pH of the soil is okay. that they need. Wow. Uh, oh, you know, sometime I should tell a story about, I was going through my father's old papers and I found a letter he wrote in 1972. And in it, he, it was about a meeting he had with a Dr. O'Brien from... What? From Boston. No and, way. And it turns out he had met... It was Conan's with dad? With Conan's dad. No way. Yeah, in 1972. Oh, my God. Is that crazy? That's really weird. It is weird. And he saved the letter, too. I have the letter, yeah. Yeah. And my sisters and I, we were all going through his papers simultaneously. And if they had come across that letter, they wouldn't understand... They wouldn't have noticed Right. It. You were but, the only one who wouldn't have thrown it away. Right. And then I called Conan like 10 minutes later and he goes, I'm here with my father. And he asked him and uh, his dad didn't remember the meeting, but he said, yeah. Yeah. He said, yeah, at that time, because they were working. Well, why did your dad meet with him? My father was director of um, director of research for a pharmaceutical company. And he was working uh, with uh, antibiotics at the time. Oh and my I, God. Yeah. So I, I think he had talked to Dr. O'Brien about some clinical trials that were happening up in Boston. Wow. Yeah, because Conan's father was uh, also a research scientist. Uh, yeah. And that's what my father was. So, uh, and that's it, what my father was. Weird. Yes, crazy. <laughs> so, that is crazy. Yeah. I wonder if we're cracking the formula for comedy. Yes, comedy writing. <laughs> you have to have a deeply scientific father. Exactly. And probably mother too. Yeah. No, my mom has a master's in. There you go. And what? Great question. Biology? Mm. I might be wrong. Well, we I, I feel we covered a lot of ground this week. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I? Who am I? Mm -hmm. And what do you want to be? This felt like a very intense therapy session. Yes. And that's why I'm glad you teed up our listeners giving us answers instead yes. of questions. I'm looking forward to that. So please submit your listener answers. Leave us a voicemail at 323-209-5303. Uh, we have an email. It's insideconanpod at gmail.com. And here's a compelling reason you should give us answers, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, because we love you. Yeah. Oh. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. 
Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're going to have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.